0: If you have a Bible this morning, you can turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, we're in chapter 1. And Peter was writing his books to the early church, an early church that had been persecuted. They'd been through a lot, but they knew Jesus and they knew he was wonderful. But Peter continues to write and to remind them because something's coming in the future that he wants to make sure that they're ready for. Now, all of them needed to be ready for the day that they died. And that's the truth for all of us. We've been seeing that lately just with with deaths that happen in our church. You just never know when that day is going to happen. But the Lord also said you never know the day that he's going to return, that he's going to be coming like a thief in the night. And so Peter is getting the church ready, saying, hey, he's coming. Are you prepared in your heart? Do you you know where you're at with the Lord so that you can be set? So you can know that on that day when he calls your name, you're coming with Jesus. And so that's what he's doing here in in second Peter. So. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad I, it may have taken a lot for you, some of you to get up this morning. I don't know about you, but at the Hudson House, there's kind of a morning ritual that goes on. You know, some days are easier to get up than others. Maybe on a holiday weekend, it's a little bit harder to get for church, right? Uh, maybe there was something else you were wanting to do. Maybe you're just dog tired and it's just hard to get for church. Well, that happens almost on a daily basis at the Hudson House when we get up in the morning. Uh, we go in the in. in Person will be laying in the bed and and we'll 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 say, hey, it's time to wake up and then we'll go through a routine of certain. We say this every day, every day. I say you need to you need to get up. You need to get yourself a shower. You need to get your breakfast. You need to get your hair combed, your teeth brushed. You need to get all your clothes on. Uh, hopefully that's earlier in the order. Um, but but you, need, you need to do all these things. And then you need to remember your book bag or whatever it is. And then, and then you need to go. And half the time, that's Katie having to say it to me. Uh, get up out of bed. No, uh, but, but this is something that happens every day. Wake up and here's the things you need to do. You need to get out of bed. You need to get your breakfast. You need to brush your hair, brush your teeth. You need to uh, take a shower. You, all We go through the list every morning. It's almost like, well, didn't they hear it the morning before? Why do we have to repeat ourselves on a daily basis? And I know that this isn't just a Hudson household thing. In fact, it's not just about sleep. In fact, it has a lot to do with our spiritual life. Constantly in the New Testament and in the scriptures, the Lord comes to his people and says, hey, I need you to wake up. Amen. And then when he calls upon them to wake up, he often says the same things again. Why? Does he think we're dumb? No, we're easily lulled back to sleep. It's easy. So after that uh List of things that we say in the morning, what do you think the normal reaction is? A blanket over the head, right? Like I'm going back to sleep. And the Lord's saying, No, you can't go back to sleep. You got these things to do. We got things to do. Something's come, we got to get prepared for. And so that's where Peter is kind of going today. He's been reminding us about how good Jesus has been, all that God has done to save us. And he went through a list of qualities that we should have about our life, things like Uh, virtue and knowledge and self-control and 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 godliness and goodness these are these are things that we should have in our life and so he keeps reminding us and so he says in verse 12 of second peter chapter one he says therefore i intend to always remind you of these qualities though you know them and are established in the truth that you have i think it right as long as i'm in the body to stir you up by way of reminder since i know that the putting off of my body will be soon As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me and I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So Peter's like saying to them, we, hey, we have talked about this before. You know, these qualities, these things that I've said, but I'm here because I have to remind you, I need to, I need to make sure that you don't wander away in life and get caught up in your job, get get going with all the holiday weekends, just, just going on in retirement and forget these things are important i need you to know and so peter says i'm i'm going to come and he said i'm going to stir you up the word there means i'm going to try to wake you up i'm going to wake you up as much as possible so that you do not forget now he said something interesting. he said the lord has made clear to me that that i'm not going to be here much more somehow the lord told peter he was going to die and so peter peter got to think and hey i've i've had an opportunity to maybe go to their churches to speak with them face to face to remind them in sermons but now What's going to happen? How am I going to continue to minister once I'm gone? And so it says here that he's he's been considering how, even after he's gone, to continue to help them to recall that. And how does he do it? We're reading it. We're reading it. Peter took to writing. We don't need those notes. Peter took to writing. And he writes down these things, and, and it's amazing because they could have taken this book now and heard from Peter over and over, almost like the parent that's having to wake up the child day after day after and remind them of the things to do. Now, Peter can do it all the time because he's writing this letter. And so Peter's reminded about how good Jesus is. And when Peter goes into stories about Jesus, I don't know about you, but some of the things that we read in the Gospels and some of the things that we read in the book of Acts or way even back in the Old Testament, we read those things. And here, here's the thing. They sound a little bit crazy, right? Amen. 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 I mean I mean, have you ever ever, in any other circumstance heard of a virgin given birth? No. What about stories of angels coming down and speaking to people? I mean, that just sounds outlandish. What about a big red sea that's split in two? What about a God who in six days created the earth? I mean, these are outlandish stories that, that have come over time and been written down just like Peter wrote. And so we've had people like Moses write and people like we read earlier, Jeremiah wrote of Lamentations. We've, we have Matthew, Mark and Luke who write these the, the, uh, and John. They write these incredible stories about Jesus healing the blind and walking on water those are crazy stories and so why do we believe them if someone on the street came up to you and told you a story that was just far out there would you be like oh yeah totally now i'm going to follow you to my death right and so peter in writing down these stories and relating these things he's got to figure out a way to say hey this is this is the truth and i need you to believe them or eternity is on the line These aren't just nutty stories. Anybody, any of y'all know a storyteller? You've got one probably in your family, don't you? Uh, My my grandpa, Papa, uh, he was a storyteller. I mean, he could he would come up with stories on the spot, and a lot of times he would tell stories of the past, and you didn't quite know whether they were fact or fiction. Okay, he was the type of guy who um, he told us once that uh, he loved to fool with people when they would call and it was a wrong number. They had called the wrong number. And so he had all kinds of stories. or or when people would call and they were try to sell him something. He told us one time that a, a vacuum salesman lady, she called him up on the phone and she she said, I'd like to sell you a vacuum. This is great. He said, we don't need a vacuum. She says, everybody needs a vacuum. You got rugs in your house? He says, no. She says, you got floors. in the, he says, we don't even have a house. She says, what are you talking about? My grandpa says, we live in a cave. And he says, we don't have to deal with dirt because every year after get, we just bring in a new layer, <laughs> And that was my grandpa. He was just always, and so you never knew you know, what are you going to get from Papa. But you know, truth be told, some of you probably have stories that actually happened. And maybe when you tell that story, everybody else in your family is like, "Oh man, here's that story again." There's no way that's true. And you got that story. I got one of those stories. I got a story. I'm not. I'm not joking you. I had never golfed in my life we'd gone on vacation up into a little town in British Columbia, Canada, called Penticton. And, and, and while we're on vacation there, there's this par three golf course. My dad takes us three Boys says, come on, boys, let's go play par." Th-. We've done putt putt. I've never played real golf. So we get out on this golf course. I'd never played because my dad was left handed. He had left handed clubs and I could never use them. So we go out to this par three course and we line up and I don't remember the whole the which one it was, but it was my turn. And I line it up and I You know, I'd watch golfers on TV, so I try to do what they do, where they kind of do that little prance and practice a couple times, and I look off yonder, see how far it is. I don't know what I'm doing, but here I wind up and I whack the ball, and the ball goes sailing way off from where the hole is. It's not coming close, but then, just as it's coming down, it hit a tree and bounces back over this way, and it goes onto the green and it keeps rolling and it keeps rolling and suddenly it's in the hole and i was like jumping up and down and i was crying and all of you are like there's no way (laughs) that is a story that is a story no it actually happened and i I took a scorecard i put it on my wall at home because it had a one and i always held it up to my brother he probably won that day but i had the hole in one i mean i had a hole in one off of a tree (laughs) no skill involved at all it was complete luck or fate or god's will whatever um so so that's my story you tell that and people are like i don't know that takes a a, a, there's a very small percentage that would ever happen you know what there's there's probably more percentage of my golf ball going in that hole than taking all the stories and prophecies about jesus and them coming true you know and so peter has that conundrum he wants to recall these things wants them to focus on jesus but but what about all these stories and this is what he says going forward he says Hey, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received honor and glory from God, the father and the voice was born to him from the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven And we were with him on the holy mountain. So what he's calling us back to, you remember that story? We call it the transfiguration. And him and James and John go up the mountain with Jesus. And while they're on the mountain, here comes Elijah and Moses to meet with Jesus. And in that moment, Peter's just like, whoa, there's Elijah. I've heard the stories of Elijah, how he helped the widow and and how he had called down fire on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And and that one time he had outran Ahab's chariot and then how he was taken up in a chariot of fire. I mean, that's that's Elijah. And, and there's Moses. I mean, Moses had, had crossed through the Red Sea. I mean, he was that little baby in a basket. Of one, but of He had been at the burning bush and then he led the people in the wood. That's Moses. And there's Jesus. I mean, I've seen him walk on the water. I've seen him break bread and feed thousands. I've seen him heal the blind, the deaf, the lame. There's Jesus. And so Peter's caught up in all this. And he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, should we make worship centers for the three of you? There's Jesus and two mighty prophets. And Peter says, basically, should should we worship and honor the three of you? And it was at that moment that he's referring to when suddenly he hears this voice from heaven. There's a cloud and he and and the voice says, this is my son singular with him. I am well pleased. They were not there to worship Elijah. They were not there to worship Moses. They were there to see the grandeur and the majesty of Jesus. And Peter said in second, Peter, we went and with our eyeballs, we saw him. We saw all that. Jesus." These weren't cleverly devised stories that we made up. We saw them. It says on that mountain, we heard the testimony of who that man was. We've heard everything that he said. And so with all that we have done, in fact, John says a similar thing in John, first John chapter one, we have heard him. We have seen him. We have touched him. Uh, When they took communion, they were tasting him. I mean, with all their senses and all their spirits, they witnessed Jesus. These weren't stories that they made up. And how do we know? Because they died for them. It was amazing what they had seen and witnessed Jesus do. And what's more than that, it's not like a a hole in one golf story. My golf story happened. I had a record of it on my wall with the golf score. But what what would have been more fantastic was if years before I had said, hey, you know what? One day we're going to go up to Canada to this golf course. And having never played golf before, I'm going to stand at a tee and i'm gonna whack a golf ball it's gonna knock off a tree and go into the hole and i'm gonna get a hole in one what if i had called that shot years before that would have been even more crazy huh so there would have been the prophecy of it there would have been the fulfillment of it and then there would have been the recording of it but my story didn't have that you know whose story does jesus everything that he did had been foretold all that he did over 300 prophecies in the old testament and they're all fulfilled in one just one person and peter says i saw him i heard him it is him he is the one we worship we don't worship elijah we don't worship moses we don't worship me we don't worship you we only worship him and these aren't just stories they are fact and why is that significant you know, we could go back to Sunday school or we could have VBS or Bible diggers and all, we could have all these things and we could have all these stories about Jesus. But it wouldn't mean a thing. If at the end of the day, the greatest of all prophecies, him going to the cross and dying for our sins and then resurrecting from the dead, if that had not have happened. So Peter is saying, these are all stories, but I'm taking you to the cross, friend. I I am reminding you of the resurrection and I'm reminding you that that resurrection life is in you. And that day by day, when you are waking up and you read my book, that you will be reminded that you are to live in Christ. It is all about him is his majesty. These aren't clever stories. This is a story about him and how much he loves you. Do not forget that. It's when we get sleepy in our faith. It's when we get tired. I'm not talking physically. I know some of you work hard. You've had a hard week, months, years. and Physically, you're worn down. But I'm not talking, I'm talking spiritually. When you begin to get tired and discouraged or begin to wander, you get sleepy spiritually. And the Lord needs to come to us and he needs to wake us up. You know how he does that? Sometimes he can give that gentle nudge. Sometimes he can send along a friend who just kind of whispers, hey, hey, I've noticed this. But you know what it takes a lot of times? For some, it takes like a natural disaster. For some, it takes a real shakeup in the family. For some, it takes a job loss. And we wonder at these things and say, why in the world does God hate me? No, a lot of times it's him waking us up. It's hard, but man, suddenly we're like on my knees. I need you now. And he's like, good, I've got your attention again. Because we like the spiritual bed a lot more than we like the spiritual fight. So today, if you find yourself going man i'm just kind of sluggish spiritually peter and all the other writers of scripture have written these things to remind us this is the reason we say get into the word of god it's not because it's a chore that he wants you to check off oh i my read my bible today it's because he wants to continue to remind you of all that he's done and it was a fulfillment and recorded down so that he could express to you how much that he loves you Anytime you get down and sluggish, you read and you say, wait a second. Jesus did everything in order to to save a sinner such as me. So why am I sleepy spiritually? It was on another mountain later on in Jesus life when Jesus took Peter, James and John up to the mountain of Gethsemane. He said to them, hey, I'm going to go off and pray for a little while. You all stay here. Watch and pray with me. And so Jesus goes away to pray and he's he's in the agony of prayer. And he's saying, Father, if it's your will, please take this cup from me. But not my will. Yours be done. He's he's so he's so under the, the 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 stress of the wrath of God that's about to come in that cup. As he goes to the cross, it says he's sweating blood. I mean, he is he is pouring himself out. And just a stone's throw away are his his closest followers and they're praying right. And so he comes back from this prayer and wait a second they're not praying the people that jesus has been training up for three years to go and bring this good message to the world they're what sleeping and and so now he's got unity church and he is he has brought us into this journey he's taken us up this hill the mountaintop right we've got a good church a free church we can open our bibles we can do this but if he came back and he looked at us would he say man i've I find you spiritually sleeping. Could you not stay awake with me just one hour? It's not surprising that Peter then over and over and over in his book says this. Be sober minded and stay awake. Keep watching. That's the words for pray. You need to be praying right now because if you don't pray, if you don't stay alert, you're going to get sleepy. And you know what? The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. We saw that in first Peter. Uh, uh, he said he said that. And so he's like, stay awake. Stay awake because Jesus is coming. Amen. He needs you to help right now. One of the things that I love is consistently when I ask the Lord. What do you want me to tell your church? What what message do you want me to bring to unity or if i'm meeting with other believers somewhere what what message do you want me to bring uh bring and you know there's all kinds of things that a pastor a minister could come up with I'm, I'm sure the church needs to hear this of course they need to hear more on tithing right that's what a pastor would say no they they need to hear more on how much attendance they should have at church or maybe maybe they need to hear more on um just how to stop gossiping or more on how to how to stop all the addictions and more on. And, and we could come up with all kinds of things that we think that we need to press on the church. But as I come to the Lord over and over and over and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to tell your church? You know what he consistently says back? Tell them I love him. And what is the story that tells them that he loves him? Jesus. So Peter says, I'm I'm writing these things down. These aren't clever stories. we didn't make these up, but these have been given. I saw it. I heard it. And you've got to keep remembering how much Jesus loves you. We say words like Jesus loves you. It just sounds like such kids Sunday school things. And yet there's believers around the world today that will die for those words. What a privilege it is to hold this book in our hands. Just heard a story yesterday of a man. I believe it was in Taiwan. I, I don't know if I have the the country right, but he had become a believer. He had actually been in a ministry um, with a man named Ravi Zacharias. He was alongside a Ravi, and he was helping in this this place minister. And and um, it, no, it was in Vietnam. That's what it was. It was in Vietnam, and it was right before the fall to the north. And so once the fall came, Ravi had come back to America, and this man had stayed in Vietnam. Well, when he was in Vietnam and the North took over, he got taken and he was put into a prison camp. And because it was communist, they just continued to, to brainwash him with Marxist propaganda and just brainwash day after day. All he had to read was not a Bible. It was just Marxism and communism, constant, constant, constant. He was down. And he got to the point where his faith was almost to shreds. Like, God, are you even there? Do you not see that I'm in a prison camp? Do you not see that I have no encouragement here at all? That day by day, there's this, this teaching that comes that says there's no God at all. That, God, are you there? Could you please, If you're still there, he says, would you please give me a sign? And so one day he, he goes into the latrine, the toilet area. And when he's in there, he looks down and he sees this scrap of paper that looks like it has some uh, English on it. And he, he doesn't know really what it is. He pulls it out of the, the latrine, out of the toilet. That's dirty. He said it had excrement on it. He said he, he didn't know what it was, but he, he, he washed it real good. He tucked it away and he kept it hidden because if he got found with that, he'd be in big trouble. So late at night after his roommates had gone to sleep, he's under a mosquito net. And he finally gets a little light and he takes out that little scripture. And it's a little verse out of Romans chapter eight that talks about God's love for him. That's what God gave him, a piece of scripture out of the toilet. And you know what he did? He went back to his, his the guy who, the, uh, who was the commander over him whoever was was in charge of the prison camp he said i want to volunteer for toilet duty i want to be the latrine cleaner and he began to to dig these scraps of of English literature out of the toilet he 'd wash them off, and he pieced, them. and by the end of that, he had the whole book of Romans and a large part of the New Testament because he realized that an officer who didn 't know English was using a Bible as toilet paper, and yet God was providing that as the written down word of God to encourage his soul day by day. and at one point i 'm like, that is a gross story, but at the other end it says, "You know what, Jesus Christ went to the grossest place on earth. Why was it gross Because it took my toilet of sin." In order to clean me. And in that prison camp, that guy took. Words that looked like cleverly devised myths. And the Lord cleaned him off and he would sit there in, in secret and read and it fed his soul. Are you that desperate? Are you so desperate that you would go for a chunk of the word of God in the toilet. The Lord was so desperate to tell that man that he loved him, that he was willing. And he provided a way for that man to hear how much Jesus loved him again. And that's what you need to hear, church. That's what I hear all the time. Lord, what do you want me to tell the church? Tell them I love them. We've got a good book that from front to back speaks of that love. So today we're going to close and we want to give an opportunity all the time to respond. That's what worship is, is when we hear the good news of Jesus that we respond to him. It's just a response. But it's a response that the Lord conjures up in us as he does his good work of reminding us of how sinful we are, but how good he's been. And he's he's recovered us back into a place where he sees us not as sinners then, but as holy, we're saints. And so as we close, I just want to invite you into this opportunity to remember how much Jesus loves you. And uh, we're going to sing a song. I know it's a lot of times dedicated more to children's church but i think it's so critical for all the church to sing this song together we're going to stand and sing it if at any point we're going to sing two songs at any point you want to come down and pray um, you're welcome to come on down and uh, deacons if you see somebody um, please come pray with them or if you see a friend come down please come pray with them would you stand with me and we're going to sing if you're able to please stand and we're going to sing jesus loves me
1: Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. Verse
0: talks about sin. So today, if you find yourself in need of repentance, now is a good time to do it. Just say, Lord, please forgive me. I want to turn away from my
1: sin and turn to you. Jesus, take my sin. I pray at the cross my God.